Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Cool yeah, to be man. here. So we're wondering, going back a a while, what was it like growing up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania? And how did mm. that influence you getting into punk rock? Yeah, that's probably my biggest influence would, would be Harrisburg. Um, I, st I still have not warmed up to that city after all these years it just uh it's a cold man. city huh uh, yeah man it's just icy you know um <laughs> the, the personalities of people and not like cool icy you know like it's just like shitty icy you know just disconnected or something like that um so um growing up I guess the first big thing when I, um, you know, think back about like Harrisburg, like my childhood would be uh, TMI. That was a, that was a big influence on me. Yeah. Uh, nuclear reactor. Um, shit. I remember um, getting like evacuated because in kindergarten at the time, you know, and they're like, you know, we're on the verge of a nuclear meltdown. But I, I think having an event like that happen like so young, just kind of like, I don't know, um, really, started to uh shape the way i uh, perceive the world at that point Wait, in time is this a known thing like like so, so when you were in in grade school there was you, you did you live next to like a nuclear power plant yeah well not mm -hmm. right next door to it a few miles away i guess is pretty much right next door to it and they had like yeah. a meltdown scare <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah would have I, I guess had it happened it would have taken out like the entire northeast you know and they let you know what? they weren't trying to keep people calm you know they're like you know um i think we went to my um grandparents house which was like um where was that like pottsville pennsylvania um where my you know which would have made a difference like having I, mean, a I was reactor, saying like, like <laughs> yeah so it was you know just trying to go somewhere and yeah. um, so that was that was kind of um scary but that kind of i don't i don't that's the event that comes to mind um like my first memories like growing up there um so you had that and then i, I guess you know that kind of like i knew like at that point in time like kind of like this world i have to grow up grow up in was born into was like not a safe place and like crazy shit can just happen at any fucking time you know so i just you know kind of made a note of that and um for the most part it's like your typical um like state capital kind of go nowhere kind of town not you know i still have friends there so i don't mean it like you know um but as a kid like i just never felt like i, I fit in there um, it just seemed to be nowhere. Like I had the whole town figured out, like by the time I was eight and I just didn't see like anything good that can come from it. Um, so I guess that led more to, uh, my interest in music, um, listen to the radio a lot. Um, but I probably first, let me think here, like growing up there, like the first instrument I played, I think in fourth grade. And um, yeah, like that was the cello because um, my mom wouldn't get me a guitar um, at all. 
so I was like stuck playing like this cello and I couldn't play it at all. Um, but the good thing was after, I guess, a few years of kind of faking that, um, I was able to take like electric bass lessons by the time I hit 13. So that kind of opened things up. Um, I'm trying to think what else? Uh, the friends I had, I guess um, you guys interviewed them, um, like Greg Lonesome. Yeah. Um, I went to school with him. Um, Dave Mainliner, all of us went to elementary school together. Huh. Um, so there were some cool things about growing up there. Um, I guess my exposure um, to like underground or more aggressive music like happened at a pretty um, early age um, because Dave, who was like my best friend back then, um, his uncle had played in, uh, he was a founding member of Poison, the one, the only, you know, Central PA's finest. <laughs> um, and I guess when they had gone out to LA, his girlfriend had got, he got his girlfriend pregnant, whatever. But by the time they got signed, CC to Bill had taken his place. And so uh, we thought it was like the coolest thing that like, you know, and his uncle lived right near us that this guy who was in poison, you know, like lived down the street. Um, so, you know, we were, I was always excited to be around this guy and just like ask questions, you know, about music bands and yeah, I guess kind of starstruck. Uh, but the cool thing that came from it, was my exposure to like that was the first time I heard uh Generation X or the the New York Dolls um Stooges because his, his uncle would make us tapes like hey if you you know you guys are thinking about playing music here's what you should be listening to and that's wow. kind of like my prime um so that was really cool you know like I'll, I'll badmouth Harrisburg but it was kind of cool like I kind of had that take place because you know that you know my exp that would change everything you know from that point on and um, hmm. what it really, I'm trying to think. Yeah, so I guess, you know, getting exposed to that kind of music at that point, I just like, I, I don't know if kids are like that nowadays. I'm like, I want to be in a band, you know? Um, Doesn't seem so, like it. What's that? Doesn't seem like it. Like I wanted to be in a band? No, like kids, like kids today. Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's like a, a, a big thing, you know? Um, you know, I don't really see it anywhere, but, you know, when I was growing up, that was kind of like, you know, I'm going to be in a band and like, you know, there you go. Um, and to me, I think that appealed to me so early on because I felt so stuck there or trapped um, that that could be a way out, uh, you know, um, you know, could see different places, get out of town. Um, so I'm trying to get my timeline straight here. Um, so, yeah, gr growing up there. Um, getting exposed to that kind of music um, and then getting exposed to what was a, it was a big moment. I think Johnny Thunders um, stations of the cross. I think that's when I was 13. And um, you know, I don't know if it's the greatest live album ever made. I, I don't think anyone will ever say that. I'm sure. <laughs> a few. But I guess at that point, like school just bored me. Like it, it just, you know, wasn't doing it. Um, I just didn't, I didn't have like an interest, like, you know, when I grew up, I want to be a lawyer, want to be a doctor. I want to do this. I want to, I don't know, save the world or like none of that, like appealed to me, you know, yeah. um, just cause I guess growing up like in a state capital, a town like that, there's just kind of like this weird atmosphere and it's just like so stagnant and kind of stale and mediocre. Um, I'm like, you know, I don't want to end up like this. And, uh, 
this music's exciting and you know maybe it'll get me out of here i can do something with it so after i heard uh stations of the cross it's like when i'm 13 you know and and his performance on there i was like i can i can fucking do this you know like that's cool like he's only making it like halfway through the song stopping you know telling everyone to fuck off and like this is cool as shit you know like this is what i want to do um so you know that kind of changed everything right there and we started our first band dave was in that um when we were in like junior high i think it was like the eighth grade we started and uh, that was exciting because we're like oh cool we can play the fucking talent show you know and uh, so we you know rehearsed rehearsed and played you know i don't i don't have like the videotape of like when we did any of that stuff um but i'm sure it wasn't that great but you know it was a big deal at the time i guess getting on stage appealed to me you know i, I felt like i had some kind of like power or more control than i you know normally would have uh -huh. and it, it was just exciting um getting involved with that and just um uh, you know hearing i guess growing up going to the like mall and seeing like east coast rocker and at that point in time you'd see like advertisements and stuff for like johnny thunders you know catch him live before he dies and i was like that sounds like that's fun you know like <laughs> how do i get there how, how do i become part of this you know like all i need to know all i need to know is just like a few chords and you know have some attitude and you know that's what i want to do um so you know i kept playing in, in band well kept that band going for a few years i mean we we did covers we were pretty terrible you know playing kids birthdays birthday parties <laughs> um you know this is like for like 13 14 15 year olds um but what was cool i guess uh, about music and, and doing that it allowed me to kind of like interact with, with the world in a different way that i felt i could be you know more of myself um mm. you know it was just like a format I, I was comfortable in you know um and you know i really started to kind of you know get hooked on the whole being in a band being on a stage and those are just really cool things and you know just aspiring to be you know like you know just a b version of johnny thunders i'm like you know so that's what i'll do you know so i don't have to worry about like well get all these good grades you know what school are you gonna go to like any of that shit. you know i guess i was just very um uh, mono focused i guess on having some type of johnny thunder style existence because to me that seemed like a, a much better reality than i saw in you know harrisburg pa where it's just everyone kind of you just wake up every day and you just kind of do the same thing over and over and like i it didn't make any sense to me like i know why people do that but it just wasn't very um interesting to me yeah no i get you man i totally get you so you mentioned you played cello when you were yeah. a kid what like what made you pick that up like what made you want to learn that um i didn't really want to learn it um at all um i originally i, I guess oh the party left out growing up i really wanted to play guitar and um my elementary school i guess at that point in time i guess they used to give like acoustic guitar lessons to kids and they had stopped so uh, it was either like you know an oboe a cello or like a tuba and i was like well a cello maybe i can figure out a way to do like guitar style closest thing like right <laughs> yeah 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 and i oh man i was so terrible i'd have to um 
we do like these little school concerts and they'd have me like fake play, you know, cause I had no idea what I was doing and I, I didn't care to practice, you know, either. But, um, you know, um, what led to that was the story so dumb. Um, so if, if you're playing like a stringed instrument and then you get to junior high and you're like 13, you're eligible to take electric bass lessons. So oh. I'm like, well, you know, if I stick this out for a few years, you know, and just pretend like I know what I'm doing, I can, you know, learn how to play bass. And um, yeah, eventually I, I did, you know, get to take uh, bass lessons and do that. And, um, and then get my first electric bass when I was 13. Um, but yeah, the cello, I pretty much like had, yeah, no other choice. And that was like the only way I could see maybe one day getting my hands on some type of guitar, bass guitar, you know, it was a guitar. That's all that mattered. Um, well, but I wasn't like, like into classical music or anything you like weren't? that. Uh, no, no. <laughs> well, um, fun fact Rick Springfield though. was a big influence. Um, oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, the second grade, it was like solid gold and he had performed um, Love is All Right tonight. And I guess that was pre Johnny Thunders. Um, at that moment in time, like I really knew like that's where I gotta be. That's what I wanna do. You know, like I just got so excited, you know, so. Uh, but yeah, it was Rick Springfield was one who did it. It wasn't Segway. like, you know. He was a Segway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a gateway drug. <laughs> Um, so I think that, yeah, so you're asking, how did I end up playing the cello? So yeah, that's kind of what happened with that. Yeah. Cool. So I know on, on Bandcamp, you have the, all of the, uh, mainliner recordings. So what was the yeah. kind of the story of the rise and fall of mainliner and then how the rise prostitutes ended up forming? Okay. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's a long one. So I'm just getting it sorted out. Yeah, it's like these questions are great because um, I there's just like so much I'm like I have in my head at one time, kind of trying to sort it out. Um, so uh, yeah, and once again, uh, Dave was in Mainliner. Like I said, we kind of like had our junior high joke band where we did you know covers and you know uh, we weren't super you know serious at, at that point. I guess we were just trying to learn to play our instruments and. Um, so towards the end of that, we decided like the other guys we had in this, you know, our little group were like too square for us. So we had to get some rock and rollers in here. Um, but we, you know, we really didn't find those rock and rollers for the most part. Um, <laughs> there were some other kids, you know, like in our high school, you know, and uh, so it was a change of pace and they could play a little bit better than these two other guys. And um, I decided that like, hey, I want to start at this point, I, I, I had done, you know, some singing here and there in, you know, the cover band, you know, I was in, I would sing like, we would do Johnny Thunders, uh, Motorhead, uh, TSOL, uh, Joe, Joe Woods era TSOL songs. And, um, you know, I was like, well, at this point, I'm just playing the bass and I'm like, I want to play guitar and sing, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, so the one guy we got into the band, um, that would be Brian. He went on to be in the prostitutes too. Um, he had like a, a really nice strat and I was like, dude, you can be in my band. Um, if you play the bass and then just, you'll play my bass and I'm going to play your guitar because you know, <laughs> I didn't have any money to get one. And that's how he ended up, you know, in the band with mainliner. And then, um, 
we got two other guys, uh, Greg and Eli. It's a different Greg. Uh, but we all went to the same high school. Um, so at that point, yeah, we started like writing. I did, um, you know, original material. Um, and we had a little like hardcore club in the area. I don't know if you remember it, Josh. And, um, the core was in Enola, PA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they had a, a few major bands come through there. Like, you, you know, they'd have an all play, um, poison idea, uh, stuff like that. But it was short lived. I think it was only around for like two or three years. And they were always getting shut down and shows would get canceled half the time. But we we're like, you know, there's this hardcore club and stuff. So, you know, let, let's get a band together and write some songs to do it. And uh, we did. And uh, and then we started, you know, there just wasn't there weren't a lot of places to play or really much of a scene. Um, so we're like, well, you know, not even thinking like, this is like, you know, like a hard tour thing to do, like VFW hall shows. We're like, well, we'll have to rent out a place. Like, you know, we did for like those birthday parties and shit. Um, and we'll just put on our own show. And so we did that. And then it was cool. Like, you know, going around to the malls and flyering. And then as we did that, I guess kids from the, the other side of the river, we lived on the East shore. Um, and then there was the West shore, um, started to get in touch with us. Like, Hey, we're in this kind of music too. We have a band. Um, so right then and there, we, you know, started networking with, uh, bands outside of, you know, Harrisburg and got to know a bunch of like new people, really cool people got turned on to, um, you know, even more underground music. Um, so that was really cool. Um, so during that time, you know, Mainliner, we were just kind of like cutting our teeth, um, you know, learning to put on shows, like how to put them on. Um, and we would have pretty decent turnouts. And then we did our first demo. Um, I think I was, I was 17 at the time. And that's, um, what songs? That's like Black Getting Blacker. Um, Josh might know this stuff. I don't know if he listened to the <laughs> ancient Mainliner recordings. Um, but we did that. We recorded that in Harrisburg um, with this dude. Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, but he went on to do like Lenny Kravitz records and like uh, Mike, Mike Musmano. I'm not sure what he's up to nowadays. But yeah, I guess he turned out to be a big deal. So it's, a, you know, they were great recordings. But, the, you know, the songs were just kind of average. It wasn't all there, but people liked it. And I didn't know how to write a better song at the time. Um, so we just kind of kept doing that. I'm trying to think how long that went on for, uh, quite some time. So maybe until I was 21, um, right around there. Um, at that point we had put out our one and only, um, seven inch. Um, but before that, uh, we had our first demo and then our second demo. And then we put them both on like one, one cassette and that did pretty well. Like, you know, we'd sell out like a hundred copies of the local record store. Yeah, uh, that's not bad. And that was, um, yeah, we, we thought we were rock stars, you know, cause that, that was a big deal. Um, you know, so after that, um, we managed to, um, get on a mini tour with FYP. I guess this would have been the height <laughs> of yeah. mainliner success. And, uh, yeah, we went from uh, PA, um, out to Chicago and back with them. And, uh, that was pretty cool because the uh, Chicago show that was uh, the Riverdales and uh, Boris the Sprinkler. And that's where I got to meet uh, Ben Weasel for the first time. <laughs> um, and that was, do you, right. do you, you, know, do you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> How did yeah. that go? 
Um, it was cool. You know, I guess we caught him on a good night. He was actually in a good mood that night. And I didn't even know it was him until uh, one of the guys in FYP was like, hey, th this is Ben, Ben Weasel. I was like, oh, all right. And like, he was just hanging out and like, hey, how'd the drive go here? How's the tour going? And I just thought he was some dude that was just, you know, hanging out backstage or whatever. And uh -huh. then they're like, oh yeah, that's Ben. Um, but he was nice, you know, oh, cool. my dealings with him, you know, I probably talked to him for like 10 minutes, but uh, no prima donna shit or anything like that. They put on a good set. Um, if anything, that show with them and meeting him, it was, just, it was kind of boring. It wasn't, you know, not eventful. I, I that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But that would have been, I guess, the height of Mainliner right there. And we had put out, yeah, our um, seven inch at that point in time. And then I think Maximum Rock and Roll um, kind of bashed it, you know, and uh, we thought for sure, like, oh, they're going to dig it. You know, um, we all read it, you know, every month and uh, trying to think what the review said. Oh, because it burned at the time. Just like, you know, suburban, typical, generic punk or something, you know, just kind of short and shitty. You remember and, who reviewed uh, that it? That just crushed me at the time, you know, because we've been working on these songs, I don't know, for like the last two years. and um, You know, so at that point, yeah, you know, it, it didn't really take off the seven inch. I think Flipside gave it. I think that was um, Tony from the Adolescents um, gave it a really good review. Oh, but wow. it was like getting shot down. What what was that? Oh, you said wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, but getting shot down in MRR to me, like I was like, man, like you know, what am I gonna do? Um, so at that point, I guess we we were all starting to get frustrated. Like we just didn't know what else to do with the band, and just kind of felt like we were just going in circles and circles, and it was fun, you know. Um, you know, we all hung out with each other so much and we're kind of intertwined with each other's lives, uh, girlfriends and things like that. We were all just kind of fucking burned out, you know, after like five years, whatever it was. Um, and that the, the seven inch just really, like I said, wasn't wasn't going anywhere. Um, a, you know, a few people wrote some nice things about it, but it wasn't what I guess I pictured in my head. Um, so at that point in time, um, we had been towards the end. We were playing a lot of shows. Uh, There's a band called the Tuners um, that was from Harrisburg as well. And the Tuners were um, Dave, Dave Cohen, uh, Justin Haley, and then Jeff Peterson, um, who were to go go on to join the Prostitutes. Um, but they really um, so we had played. You know, we we're playing shows with them, hanging out with them, and and they were really into the the hate you seven inch and thought it was great and uh, had said to me like, Hey, like we want to do recording. Uh, do you think you come and produce it? You know? And I thought I could, like, I knew nothing about, you know, what production was at that point in time. I, I knew a few things and, uh, Oh, I was like, okay, you know, that'll be cool. Yeah. I'll help someone else, you know, out with the recording and let you know, you know, how I think it should sound. And, um, the day I was supposed to do that, I, I got like fucked up or something the night before, woke up late, like missed it, you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, they went and recorded anyways. And I was like, all right, well, there goes my shot at being a producer. And then, um, so I called them like to apologize. And they were like, hey, you know, like we're looking for like another guitar player um, in our band. And we kind of want to do some different things. Do you like, do you want to come down and just jam with us like sometime? And I was like, sure. 
And um, that was really cool because I had been so bummed from a mainliner, you know, at, at the end of everything after all, all the time and just like all the anticipation of, I don't know, something bigger happening. And it just never did that, you know, this was something like new I could sink my teeth into. Um, yeah, so I went, yeah, I went over to like to their jam space, which I think was uh, Justin's basement. And he lived behind a junkyard. Um, there's a prostitute's photo. I think it's on the uh, Pilato compilation. Um, what was that fucking thing called? Um, uh, this is punk rock. That you know what I'm talking about, Josh. I, yeah, I this know is it. punk I, rock. It's real. But the junkyard. You can see the junkyard in that photo. Um, we're like standing in front of it. Um, yeah, so I went there, and then you know we just you know um, we we kind of clicked. And it, it was cool because they were like, because what they were doing at the time was kind of like this negative approach kind of style, like hardcore uh, meets like adrenaline OD kind of thing. Hmm. And uh, they wanted to get some more rock and roll into their sound. And they thought I was the guy because I, I, they made fun of me from what they told me. I guess other people told me too. When Mainliner would play, um, we used to play this club all the time too. It was called Decibels. It was in Central PA. And uh, their nickname for me was... Uh, rock and roll son of a bitch just because how i acted in that band <laughs> like okay got my leather jacket on mr i'm gonna get myself all done up you know and um but at the same time i guess they respected it you know to some degree too that they you know wanted to bring me on board they're like yeah like how, how do we put more rock and roll into our sound and then um at that point um they like showed me one of their new tunes they've been working on. And then, you know, I was like, well, here, try your, try the course this way, try the verse this way. And I'm going to do this on guitar and um, I can do some backing vocals. And um, we started doing that. And then like everything just kind of gelled and it, it was like kind of really cool. Um, so from like then on, we just kind of like started getting together more. And they're like, shit, we just, we should just turn this into a brand new band, you know, and we'll forget about Mainliner and uh, the tuners. And then that's when the prostitutes happened at that point in time. You know, it was funny because when the prostitutes happened, like I was really like fed up with music. I really thought like that shitty review in MRR was like as far as it was, you know, as it was going to go. Um, like just depressed and like, oh, I hate my life and like this town sucks. Um, but I, I guess that's kind of like how I, I, I sublimated that, you know, kind of just uh, starting. Yeah, the prostitutes it just kind of happened, you know, out of all the kind of like that frustration and, you know, resentment. And because uh, there's always like a part of me that's like, fuck, man, like instead of giving up, man, like I got to fight back. Like, you know, can I do better? And if I can do better, like then I fucking need to do it, you know. Um, so, you know bad reviews or, you know, criticism hurts, but, you know, I, I try to take it in a way that like, is there something I can make better, you know? And, uh, mm -hmm. and you have to do that, you know, to get better. And yeah. um, so I, I think that that paid off after a while, kind of taking that approach. Um, but yeah, it was great. Like when that band started, it was just kind of like just a little side thing and I wasn't expecting much to come out of it. And um, it was really cool. We all kind of clicked in that band. And um, I think Justin was an avid record collector at that time. And he turned me on to all kinds of shit. You know, I really um, hadn't heard or been exposed to or had only heard of, you know. And then um, unlike the other guys who were really into the more hardcore stuff, like he loved like the Buzzcocks and um, 
wire and, and stuff like that. And I was really into that stuff as well. Um, but it felt like at that point in time, I was like the only person in, into that stuff, like in Harrisburg. I didn't really have anyone else to kind of share that uh, passion or interest with. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of, it was cool, you know, when it all um, took off and then it, it happened pretty quick. Um, once we got started, I think within like four months later, we were recording, yeah, the first seven inch um, with, uh, you know, Get Me Sick, Modern White Trash. Oh, um, yeah. 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 With those songs, speaking of the end of Mainliner, um, I think why they kind of came together so well is um, they those songs, we were already playing them, playing them in the um, late stages of Mainliner. They oh. were different versions you know, with different words, um, like a different bridge and things like that here and there, but like one, two, three, go, um, get me sick, uh, 22, um, nighttime parasite. Like a lot of those were, yeah, they were being played in the, in the uh, mainliner set, you know, at the end. Oh. So when I brought those over to those guys, they were kind of like half done. And then I had started to change my singing style at the time too, because mainliner, it's kind of like all low range. And I'm like, well, I'm getting a bad review on that. Maybe I should try a high range, you know? And I wasn't comfortable doing it, but I was just so like fucking frustrated. I just started screaming this shit, you know? <laughs> then I was like, oh shit, I can, I, I can scream in key, you know? Like maybe I'm onto something. And, and that's kind of where that came from. It was, it was kind of pretty much like mainliner, but I'm singing an octave higher and there's a little more oomph in it. I guess mm -hmm. I was trying to, um, it's kind of like the uh, the birth of like the inner mojo kind of moment, you know, where you kind of find what fits. And then, you know, I really like that. And I was like, fuck, I'm really getting into the singing. And, and when I sing, um, I get really excited. Like I'm jumping off the ground, you know, like I can't be playing a fucking guitar. Let's get a rhythm guitar player in here, you know, and bam. And that's when I just became, you know, vocalist at that point. But when we had started the process, I was playing guitar and singing and not singing every song at that point. Um, hmm. But yeah, it was crazy. Well, whatever you did, man, it, it worked. It clicked. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, hey, I, I wanted to, to switch gears here for, for just a second and, yeah. and talk fear and loathing. Oh, the the right. zine that, that you had or, or have is it? But I wanted to, to ask, what prompted you to to start a zine where you did uh, reviews and interviews? What led to the decision to, to start that? And any of the interviews that you did uh, like stick out to you? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, what led to that? Uh, two words, Eric, Eric Davidson, uh, the new Bond Turks. Yeah. Uh. Um, so it wasn't his idea, but what went down was he was doing the, the book, uh, gunk punk, punk gunk. You know what that's called? Yeah. The, uh, the book uh, he did. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> He's coming out with a second one of that, I think. Oh, okay. Cause he had hit me up. I was living in, um, this is after I'd moved to the West coast, obviously. And I was living in long beach and he was like, Oh, Hey, Kevin prostitute. I'm doing this book about nineties punk. And, give me something crazy, something outrageous, you know? And so I get like wasted to shit. Like I'm really going to get into this, you know, like be a writer, you know, cause 
even though I wasn't much of one at that point in time and whatever like piece of shit I sent off to him, um, like it got rejected. And I thought for sure, like, you know, it's going to make the book, you know? And then, um, like, yeah, I just, I got passed all these other bands got in there, you know, like all those Crip records bands and, um, in the red bands and I'm trying to think of the names, but, um, it just kind of, I was like, you know, even though I probably, what I submitted probably was half-assed and I was really fucked up and it probably wasn't that like fucking interesting. Uh -huh. Um, like it pissed me off. I was like, fuck man. I, he, I guess he thinks I can't fucking write, you know? And at this point it, I was doing the West coast lineup, uh, of the prostitutes. I was burned out on it. I think we had just finished recording, um, to, uh, kill them before they eat. And, um, we just had so many personnel problems. I had so many problems. I think everyone in that lineup had been to like rehab that year. And, um, I was just fed up and I was just uninspired. And, um, you know, I was like, I'm taking a break. Um, so, you know, when I took the break, this, you know, rejection came with the gunk punk book. And I was like, you know what, man, then I'm going to start my own thing. I'm, I'm going to do what Josh does. You know, I like, I've read Josh since, you know, been reading him since the nineties, you know, yeah. like maybe I'll try my hand at that and I'll just add my own thing to it. And I think when I first started, I, I think I emailed you, Josh, or I asked you like, Hey, how do you do this? Like, how do you post this? How do you do that? And you told me everything and he got me on my way actually. And, you know, I started, I had no idea um, what I was doing. It just, I just wanted to elevate myself to a point where I could be like, see, you know, Eric, I am a published writer or whatever, you know? And, um, <laughs> and here I am like earlier being like, you know, I don't let criticism get to me. Um, but you know, it was never, I don't, it was never anything personal. Um, yeah. So then I started, you know, fear and loathing and a big inspiration for that outside of that, you know, rejection. Um, it was like trauma, trauma films. Like they do the horror films. Oh, right, uh, right. They had put out like his DVD, how to make your own movie, you know? Um, so I kind of followed like their showbiz advice and I was like, you know what, I, that's how I'm going to approach this blog magazine thing I'm doing. Like, I'm just going to get in there and fucking do it. And, um, man, like, I can't even read like some of the stuff, like the, the earliest articles or reviews. Like I have no idea what I'm doing at that point in time. <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't give up. I'm like, I'm just going to keep fucking doing it. You know, like yeah. what's the worst that's going to happen, you know? Right. So I kind of kept going and then I was like, shit, oh, people are reading this. You know, I don't know why. Um, so I got a little bit better at it. I taught myself what I could of like magazine design layout um, and all of that. And, and just started kind of like, I guess the original idea was like, I want a magazine that you can flip through, but you know, a digital version of it. Yeah. And then we'll I remember like, that. I was looking at that. I'm like, Whoa, this is really cool. Like clicking the little arrows and it yeah. flipped like a page. Yeah. Yeah. It never caught. I mean, I guess it did. It caught on for a little while and, and there was like a service that provided that for me. And um, so I wasn't the only one with that idea. I just thought it would be cool. And, you know, it kind of gave me some motivation to, you know, do it. Um, so, you know, trying to think of, I guess, you know, when I was doing the, the magazine, I had a reference um, like, you know, old MRs, MRRs or uh, Flipside magazine. I was a huge fan. I love Flipside yeah, um, so much. That was always my favorite scene. Um, so I'm like, I want to fucking do something like that, you know, like something cool where it's just a, a little bit of everything. And, um, and so I started and I'm trying to think of, man, like the first issue, uh, 
we had this uh like pinup model from uh, the UK and she she was like I can't believe I let you like put me in this like you're like this is shit you know she was like you have no idea what you're doing your graphics are fucking terrible it looks cheap and I'm like oh, what God. well I, you know yeah yeah that was issue number one you know and I thought hey, you know there's some first I issue I interviewed uh, what's that I said hey it's the first issue you know give me a break yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it kind of, it was kind of good that I heard that because, you know, it, I kind of thrive off of that, you know, when someone kind of calls me out, you know, and I just want to get back and, you know, do something bigger and better, you know, every, yeah. I always kind of want to outdo the last thing I did. Um, so, yeah, that first issue, and I think um, Jim from Underground Medicine, um, I interviewed him, uh, Sergio from White Zoo Records. Um, trying to think um erica case was in there um i might have done an interview with rick hostage at that point i think of the first issue and um that was cool because he came on board um for a little bit and he had like his own column with uh, drag race and photos and things like that um so as that went on i was surprised like and that was just i guess the way i presented issue number one the next thing i know i'm getting uh this um email from kim fowley's assistant like he's personally requested you to interview him i'm like why you know like I, what everyone just told me wow. this is like a piece of shit like you know this online zine i just did like has typos in it you know run-on sentences not like that matters <laughs> but still you know i'm like i don't see what the appeal is you know um so yeah that was crazy and i guess um someone they i don't someone he knew he had come across the zine or whatever or his, or his assistant did and they're like yeah this guy sounds intelligent you know let's you know do an interview with him and i was like holy fuck you know um and that blew my mind i was like holy shit, you know and i'm That's gonna cool. you know interview kim fowley and i was like do I, do I take a video camera with me? What, what, what do I do? I have no idea how to do any of this shit, you know? And I just kind of make it up as I go along. Um, so I think the night before I was supposed to interview him, I went out, bought a camera uh, for like a couple hundred bucks. I didn't test it or do anything like that. The first time I opened it was when I showed up at his house, you know? And oh, man. He wasn't crazy about that. Yeah, I was really nervous. You know, he's giving me shit. And um, it was insane. That was probably the most... Uh, memorable, I would say, of all the interviews, because I ended up hanging out with him then, maybe like ten hours that day. Whoa! Yeah, and I guess his thing was he was like, I see like the raw talent in there, whatever, and uh, I just want to give you like some pointers, and you know, I just want to you know like help you become like a better writer, better interviewer, uh, better showbiz player. I don't fucking know, but kind of everything I learned from him uh, on that day, you know, like really, you know, was, was pretty profound. Um, just as in, I don't know, like just, I don't know how to, how to talk to people, um, um, kind of how to get them to open up, you know, how to, uh, you know, get people to open up that, you know, normally won't. And I guess a lot of psychological tricks I learned from him, you know, and really? he took his time over it. Yeah. You have to pass yeah, some, of these, some of these tips to Josh and me one of these days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it was nerve-wracking. Man, I think I was shaking when I first got there. 
he was like, you're 45 minutes late. It was like something, you know, like how they depict him in the Runaways film. It was like straight out of that. And it was like, what, and I was like, what are you fucking doing? This is all because they didn't publish some drunk rant in like Eric's book, you know, and now I'm out here doing this. You know, why? You know, I don't understand myself sometimes, you know. Um, but, you know, we got through it. And then like he helped me like with uh, the questions, the way I was phrasing things. Um, like, hey, you should phrase it this way. Try it this way. You have too many questions in here. And I, yeah, that really helped, actually, like hmm. um, quite a bit. Um, it actually made me more confident in my own work by the time I left. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was I know a lot of people have a lot of issues with him. Um, but in my yeah. experience, you know, it, it was cool. I got those showbiz hints or pointers or tips, whatever you want to fucking call them. Um, and at the same time, then after that, uh, long gone uh, from Sympathy, uh, yeah. John then approached me too. And he's like, hey, I want you to interview me. I'm like, these interviews are terrible. Like, what these the hell? <laughs> I'm like, you know, what I, am I, I did, missing? What am I I did missing? audio ammunition for like five years and no fucking buddy ever asked me to interview him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is that well, Whatever Josh told me to do in the beginning helped, but I don't have that Damn. old e email. Whatever advice Josh gave me early on must have done the trick, I guess. Uh, but yeah, it was crazy. And then uh, the Long Beach Independent, which is like their um, local like uh, like music, you know, weekly newspaper online thing. Uh, we're like, hey, do you want to do a column for us? You know, and I started doing that. And then, fuck, I think by the time I had, you know, around that time, I had done the interview with John, and that was huge. I think, you know, like the, the reads on that within like a week or something it was like seventy five thousand. And I'm like, holy fuck! I'm like, shit. I have no idea what I'm doing, and all these people are reading this shit, you know. So I guess, you know, I I still don't know. There what, was some the magic. There was something unique about it, dude. I remember reading your your the, the your zine, and I'm like, yeah, this is pretty damn good. I'm like, this is like way better than than what me and Ed do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this, oh, is, yeah. this is actually yeah, a zine. Oh, really? Well, thanks, because it never seemed like that to me. You know, I was just kind of scattered brain um, the entire time. You know, I was doing it, but um, it was cool though. I I kind of learned. Um, obviously to become a better writer through doing that and how to express myself through writing. So that was cool. Cause I guess, I guess my approach was with, uh, you know, interviews or even just record reviews. Um, I'd always interject some, you know, personal anecdote in there or yeah. something, you know, that like, here's why I relate to this or here's what it reminds me of. Um, and that's kind of what I did. And I decided like from day one, I was going to do that. And I'm like, if people don't like it, man, like you don't have to fucking read it, you know? So, <laughs> um, but it's still crazy, you know? And I still hear, you know, things or people write to me that are interviewed back then or um, that really, you know, dug the magazine and they're still like, hey, are you ever gonna do it again? And it was, it was crazy. Um, but some of the writing, you know, I'm really proud of. And some of it, to me, it's cringeworthy. I can't even look at it. Everybody has whole, those, dude. Everybody has those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. always the ones that you're like, ooh, like I'll look back yeah. at some of my old reviews. I'm like, God, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know. <laughs> Do you have any that are like extremely like embarrassing? Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there was this one band, um, this band called, I think this band called the Sugar Stems. And I actually asked her 
if so, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I, I asked the question if, because somebody, I read this, this review where it, they used the term golden retriever melodies. And I said, so if golden. your songs, if your songs were a particular pre- brand of dog, what, what would they be? <laughs> oh. oh, I actually asked her this. But they they responded well. They didn't, you know, they didn't. Yeah, fuck off. They That's good. Say anything like that, but oh yeah, shit like that. I'm like, Golden God, retriever man. melodies. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Golden retriever melodies. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. I I relate to what you're saying. Like it's, yeah. Some of it I just look back like, oh my god, you know, like fuck, like this sounds pretentious. Like I just sound like such a fucking dumbass. Like who would waste fucking two minutes reading this shit? <laughs> you know, and I'm not saying that like in like. A pretentious way it's just you know i i don't know you know i don't know what happened with it but it was cool because it kind of just like took off out of nowhere and it's like fuck like how did this happen you know yeah but i put whether you know whether i knew what i was doing or not like i gave it like three thousand percent of all my crazy energy you know so i figure that counts for something so so maybe that's what helped it along um but it was fun it was a lot of fun you know um a lot of fun so i wish i could have done more with it and i just kind of burned out after like two or three years and um the way i would describe it it's kind of like if you know a writer like who like dabbles in music um you know and they're a decent musician but they just you know like do a band for like two years and that's it they never do it again they're done that's kind of like how writing was like after that time period I was doing it, I guess this would have been in like 2014 or 2015 when I kind of officially ended it. And I think it's, I kind of started it 2010 or 2011, 2011, I think. So I guess it was like four years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So it was just, um, I lost my train of thought there. I forgot what I was saying. With um, How long you, you started? Uh, you're saying um, that it it's only like, uh, uh, being in a band for a couple years, it's something you, you, right. you tried and you pretty much don't really have any interest in doing it anymore, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when yeah. I've tried, it, it's, it doesn't flow like how it used to, you know, it's yeah. just contrived or it's, it's, I ran out of metaphors to use. That's why it's all I those totally people in that area, man. And kudos to Josh for like using these adjectives, you know, I, yeah, I'd, I'd write these reviews. I'm like, Jeez, how many times am I going to use this adjective? <laughs> yeah, you just got to keep. There's only so many in the English language. Yeah, you, know? you, you just use the same ones over and over again, and you just accept the fact that you have to if you're writing about music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah with music, there are necessary cliches, you know, songwriting's <laughs> like that because it just sounds better, <laughs> you know, and, and that's all there is to it. Um, sometimes it's, yeah, it's necessary, but uh, yeah, I still like the ideas I had when I was reviewing records, I guess that was more the, the long beach independent. Um, they were kind of like, cause Josh had reviewed me over the years, you know? So I think as with any musician or like artist, of course you like reading reviews about your shit, you know? Um, so a lot of what, how I would review other people's records, the adjectives, they were all pretty much stolen from Josh for the most part. I'm like, well, I can, I know he knows what he's doing. So I'm just going to copy him, you know? And then people are like, wow, man, you are an amazing record reviewer. And I'm just like, don't be fooled, man. Don't be fooled. Um, 
but you know, I added my own thing to it. But yeah, J Josh was a big influence in my writing. Um, so um, yeah, definitely, uh, uh, Josh. Yeah, that's cool. So we wanted to kind of actually flip this back to the prostitutes. It, it's amazing. We we kind of talked about the the birth of the band, and now here we mm -hmm. are. 26 27 years later and you still have the prostitutes going you're still making music you're still making great music so how do you continue to make this music and still make it good without repeating yourself um i guess you just have to be conscious of, of the fact um for the most part um but it's kind of similar to like the story i was telling you at the magazine uh it's just like by default, it happens that way. But I do make a conscious effort to, when I'm writing a song, to not have it repeat something, you know, that I've done before. Uh, there are some things that are going to carry over, but throughout all those years, you know, um, I'm always kind of singing about my life, what's taking place and like in the moment. And, and there's always a different city, different state, um, different people, different interactions, different relationships. And those things kind of, change the mood so when i'm writing about each different place like it kind of has its own identity and i think that's kind of what gives the song some individuality um oh. you know i'm just not trying to like write 10 street punk songs about <laughs> street punk stuff um <laughs> i just felt like saying that street punk stuff 10 10 street punk songs about street punk stuff <laughs> You know, and just to put it out there so I have a record, you know, like I'm like, if you're going to write about it, you know, and you're going to put your heart and soul into it, like you got to live through that shit and like fucking write about it. Like, man, like it's like a two minute rock opera, you know, um, but a very simplistic version of one. And so I approach each song like that, kind of like it's going to be the greatest thing, you know, um, I've ever written just to kind of keep my standards high because. Um, yeah. Bands in general um, really bother me because they repeat themselves so much or, you know, every record only has two or three good songs. Everything else sounds the same. And that used to piss me off growing up. You know, I'm like, I just paid 10 bucks for this shit and you, you guys are phoning it in, you know, and you're not really concerned about the artistry. You're more concerned about your merch sales. And, and I just don't care about that kind of stuff. Um, I've never gotten into it or the merchandising. Like I, I could give a shit less. Um, but you know, keeping every each song unique or the quality with with the prostitutes. Um, now, with the quality dip, you would have heard it if you heard some of the live incarnations over the years. But luckily, all that stuff's been deleted. Like some of that, you know. So there is some really awful stuff out there. Um, but you know, I, I try to make sure it doesn't see the light of day. But I think it's all gone at this point. And when I mean awful, I just mean kind of like half-baked or just like really fucking drunk, um, you know, mm. blackout sessions, things like that. Um, but yeah, I'm very, um, hmm, I guess, methodical when, when I'm writing. And, you know, if, before I even start writing, I have to kind of have a goal. Like, you know, is this going to be like to get a new lineup together, new project? Is this going to be for an EP? Or, you know, do I just want to just throw a single out there? Um, so I kind of have like a goal in mind and then like a vibe and, you know, what's going to be different with this one. And it just kind of like comes to me, you know, for the most part. And I'm lucky um, I haven't had to, uh, you know, really repeat myself with, you know, no, there's going to be some similarities uh, for the most part. Um, I think it all I'm 
I'm proud of most of it. I'd say, you know, I can, I can listen to most of it without cringing. Um, but throughout, I'm trying to think from the time we started up until now, like shapeshift, the last EP, um, I'm very proud of that. Part of that's, it's kind of like the swan song and I wasn't sure at the time. Um, but you know, that was in mind, like, is this going to be the last one? And, um, it looks like I might revisit, you know, the prostitutes in, in the future. Um, but I guess in some ways it feels like, like the shapeshift EP, that's kind of like me coming full circle with the first half of my life. And now I'm getting started on the second half. And I'm like, I, I want to like a new body of work, a new band, you know, I'm always having new experiences, you know, so that's not an issue. Um, but I just don't, it feels like I'm dragging around like 23, 23 year old me everywhere I go, you know? <laughs> And yeah, and a lot's occurred since then. So I would say um, I'm able to express myself better or in, in a more complex kind of way um, than I could, let's say, 25 years ago. And, um, and and when you're doing a band, you know, that long, and we have so many great fans, so passionate, you know, and it's really great. I'm very thankful for it. Um, but, you know, it, there's a certain sound that you know they're kind of expecting you know and and yeah. the prostitute there's definitely a style or a mode i go into when i'm writing a prostitute song um but at the same time that was also kind of i was feeling trapped by that at the end you know like uh running through it and being like well that's cool but it doesn't sound like a prostitute song you know and it's just kind of like i don't want to do like prog rock <laughs> or anything like that but i just i need like a new vehicle it just doesn't seem to make sense to keep um, going into the prostitute's name, you know, at, at the, at this point in time, um, for the most part. So I'm not sure if I had mentioned that to Josh or you before, I guess, or anyone, I guess they're going to hear it now. Wow. Um, so yeah, no, in a way it's kind of wrapped up, you know, but I, you know, I've said that 10,000 fucking times in the past and then I'm back mm. at it. So like, you never know someone pisses me off or I feel I have to get it back together <laughs> and you well, know, have something to prove something like that. Speaking of new vehicle, um, as, as we wind things down before we go, um, I wanted to ask you real quick about um, your new project with uh, with Hillary Burton, uh, Trouble Seekers. Yeah. First of all, first of all, man, my so my friend, my friend Ken texts me first thing this morning with the fucking link, the Bandcamp link to that. And he said, have oh, you no. fucking heard this? And I said, as a matter of fact, I have. And fuck, <laughs> dude, it was phenomenal, man. Fucking bravo. Because that Thank EP you. is f a fucking monster. Um, but can you tell us about how how this came to be? Like, Sure. Yeah. Um, once again, thank you. I, I fucking love hearing that. Um, that makes my day, man. Like I love hearing that. I know, um, when I hear that kind of reaction, I know we've succeeded. Um, oh, yeah, you which, did. which is cool. <laughs> I want people get excited, you know, about it and, you know, um, yeah, I, I just love generating that, you know, feeling. Um, so it came to be, get it straight here. Uh, when I, I'm currently living in Columbus, Ohio again, um, I was uh, in Baltimore for two and a half years, uh, Baltimore, Maryland. And then, um, you know, think it just wasn't working out. And I think that was, and I was just there and I was, 
my relationship was kind of done like at the time. And it's kind of like, I guess, weird because I was kind of like staying around there because I'm waiting for the shipment of records, Shapeshift from Germany to show up. And you have all those fucking obnoxious delays and shit. Yeah. And so I'm kind of hanging out in Baltimore, like ready to go at any time, waiting for this box of records. You know, they never do show up. And I end up, you know, leaving for to come back to go to uh, Columbus, Ohio. Um, and then they, I eventually got them. But anyways, um, so after that, and I moved here, um, my first thought, I was going to try to start up, you know, like another version of the prostitutes. And um, I had an ad up, like in the musician classifieds, which is usually never a good idea. You know, I'm just going to get a real cast of characters responding. And, um, but, you know, there's some people that, you know, seem talented, responded. And it just reminded me of like how I just kind of, felt finished, you know, with, with the prostitutes. I'm like, do I really want to go through this again? Like, should I be trying like this hard to get myself re-inspired? I guess for lack of a better word. And I was like, I, I don't know. I'm just not feeling the way I think I should be feeling about it. Um, so I've known Hillary since 2014, 2014, yeah. Um, so I had reviewed her band. Um, that's when I was in Long Beach. Um, you know, Honey Chain and that voice, I immediately, the first time I heard it, fell in love with it. You know, it's, there's just something very unique about it. It's just, it's just awesome. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, obviously it had always been a, you know, thought had crossed my mind that while I was in the prostitutes, like, you know, it'd be cool to have a song with some female vocals on it, you know, or do something like that. And it just never kind of worked out. And I was like, well, Hey, you know, well, maybe instead of like trying to, um, you know, we're focusing on a live prostitutes, maybe do like a one-off track and, you know, with like female vocals. And at that point in time, I was feeling more confident, I guess, with my songwriting. Um, in the past year, I was kind of on a roll with it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to approach her now because I don't want to, you know, approach her with like this fucking half-assed idea, you know, like, I don't know, like some dead Kennedy's bullshit and like here, just yell over it, you know. Not like I write Dead Kennedy's bullshit, but, you know, <laughs> I, I wanted something exceptional. So she has an exceptional voice and she has exceptional talent. You know, I'm like, all right. Um, so, you know, I contacted her and I was like, she might not even like be into the idea. And she was like, yeah, you know, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, I've been wanting to ask you if you'd ever like want to collaborate on something. Wow. And um, it kind of started there. And then the first track we worked on, it was just supposed to be a one-off. That would have been Cruel Summer. And that song, that knowing I was going to be working with her or just even just like in a one-off situation um, kind of inspired me at that point. I think the night where she's like, yeah, I'm all on board. Let's do it. I wrote that song, I think 20 minutes later and like just wrote the entire thing like in 15 minutes. Like it just came out. I was like, fuck, I haven't felt like that since like mid nineties when I was doing the prostitutes, like I, you know, I actually feel like inspired and I realized wow. how uninspired I had been until that moment in time, you know, cause it's a feeling I didn't think I'd feel again. And I was like, fuck man, like I'm getting, this is cool. Um, and then, you know, we started, you know, recording and then I was very much open to like, Hey, like, this isn't all just me. I want to hear your ideas. Like how, how do you interpret what I'm doing? And um, she was like, sure. And then like, we just, gel like we there's a synergy there we're really good at like kind of bouncing off each other bouncing ideas off of each other 
Um, so once Cruel Summer was completed, um, she kind of said to me, she's like, hey, I, I was thinking like, do you, at that point, it was still going to come out under the prostitute's name. And she's like, like, this sounds cool. It sounds different. Do you think we should do like a different band name in case we want to do this again in the future? And I was like, would you be down to kind of just keep going with songs and seeing what we can do? And she was like, you know, fuck yeah. And um, we got started and, you know, it's, it's a great, great um, so songwriting, creative relationship. And so it's, I haven't experienced anything like that in a long time. And we both have a very, very similar taste in things and then very different. So it works out very well. And before we knew it, I'm trying to think um, when we decided we were going to kind of go for like, I think, yeah, in the beginning we were like, hey, well, let's try to like shoot for an album. And we just started writing and then we kind of got impatient, you know, because we were like, you know, by the time we finished like 10 or 12 songs and then, you know, we, we you find someone to put it out. And then with the pressing plant delays at this point in time, you know, oh, like yeah. being like nine or 10 months or something crazy like that, nine like months. it's never going to happen. So, you know, let's just, let's put out the single. And then, you know, we did Cruel Summer and then, you know, we got, the response was amazing. And then we're both kind of impatient, you know, with, uh, I guess, uh, unleashing our, you know, creative works. And we're like, fuck it, you know, like, let's shoot for like five more songs and then we'll unleash like an EP, you know, online. And that's what we just did um, today. Like, yeah, it was today came out. Um, so, yeah, it's been really cool. But process, sorry, um, with that, we probably started on it back in the EP, I think back in October, October, beginning of October. And then it was just completed maybe two weeks ago oh but, wow uh, yeah i worked feverishly on it i know she did too like revising 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 we both kind of wanted to shoot for something different from the bands that we had been in and uh something where we could like push ourselves and um i enjoyed it too because it enabled me to like learn more about uh, mix again recording i already knew a lot but for what i wanted to pull off some of the cool sounds where we're, you know, we're referencing, you know, like, um, I guess vibe wise, you know, like suburban lawns or like the sound effects you hear, like, in like early seventies glam. I'm like, I'm going to have to like figure this out and see mm. how to do this. And, um, I did, it took a long time. Um, so I think for most of it on most weekends while we were recording and writing, I would only sleep one night per weekend, you know, and go back to work on Monday. But usually the first night of the weekend, I'd stay awake all night writing, recording, and then we just keep going over it and going over it. And then, you know, just, um, just so many ideas with um, so many different things we want to do. And it's kind of referencing, like, both of us, like, our influences, I would uh -huh. say from, like, age zero to, you know, the age of 15, you know, kind of like the... Um, yeah, kind of different stuff, you know, that could be, like, Rick Springfield... Prince, um, the waitresses, you know, um, just anything and everything outside of punk. And that's very exciting for me. Um, yeah, there's, I, I don't feel limited at all with it. And it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of took on a life of its own is the best I could say. 
And I've never been like worked that feverishly, feverishly, that's right, um, on a release. And I don't think ever, you know, where I was just, you know, um, hell bent on like just making like the best songs possible and getting like the best production possible. Um, I guess learning how to, to do that, you know, um, the technical aspect um, was very exciting because for once I could actually have like what you heard this morning is like what I heard in my head, you know, five months ago, instead of, I guess like in the past when I've done releases and they come out and what, I, what I'm hearing in my head isn't always what's on the record and it's heartbreaking at times. You know, uh -huh. I'm like, I don't know why I can't get it to sound like that. Um, and now I do for the most part. So yeah, it, it's kind of like a rebirth. Yeah, that's how I describe it, rebirth. And that's um, a yeah, pretty that's accurate just, description. Oh, yeah, it's it's a school. And the coolest thing about that happening is like getting that excited, getting that, you know, inspired. Like you guys are still out here doing what you've always done. And that's so fucking cool, you know. Um, and there's still so many people out there that, you know, are, you know, into, you know, those sounds or what I'm doing. Um, it, it's it's really fucking cool. You know, I, I didn't think that my late forties would kick ass, you know, and there would <laughs> Few few people's that. late forties do though, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it's all you know what you decide you know to do with it, and I just kind of, I know, I'm one of those people like with the window of opportunity, like those windows like only appear once. You know how people say there's always a next time. There's never a next time. That's my advice for the day, for the night, <laughs> you know, there's never a next yeah. time. And, you know, and um, yeah. And when, when you're in that process, it, it's kind of like that. I think it's Jerry Lee Lewis, you know, he, like tomorrow always has to be the end of the world, you know, and mm. it kind of drives you, you know, and that's how I approach everything I do, you know, whether tomorrow's going to be here or not, it, it's immaterial. It's, it's all about being in that moment and, and capturing it in the most genuine way possible and just keeping things genuine. That's a big thing for me. So I don't, I don't like disingenuous music. I don't care for it. Um, but yeah, this is cool. This is cool. Um, and like we, we have even more, we have, we have tons of uh, demo songs that we've done. Um, things are only half written and it's, it's an amazing, um, it's an amazing band. It, it's the coolest thing I've done. Um, maybe ever, maybe ever. Cause the skills I have now, um, you know, I didn't have those, I didn't know how to record mix. I didn't know what mastering was in 1996, you know? So it's cool. It's like I cracked the code or temporarily cracked the code. <laughs> Only time will tell. Interesting. Well, Hey man, um, I want to tell you, you know, be, me being a, a prostitutes fan, I think, <laughs> probably since the first seven inch came out um this is probably my favorite thing you've ever done really thank yeah. you wow. I, yeah. I love hearing that man i thought that that means so much to me and and that's kind of like the approach i took i'm like if i'm gonna do this like it has to be the best fucking thing i've ever done you know i always want to outdo the last thing i did but this one i'm like i really really want to outdo myself on it um, and, and thank you. I mean, that means the world to me. Um, and I just, yeah, I would say it's the most accurate representation of my insane mind. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 
it's just, yeah, it's just very much me. And I can, I feel like I can just be me, like in this band. And it's, it's just really cool. And, um, and I'm glad people are digging it, you know, and I always want to write something that, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's going to, you know, shake your world up when you hear it, you know, because otherwise I'm like, why should I be fucking doing it? You know? So mm. yeah. I know there's some bands were like, well, that sounds all right. And whatever. I'm like, why would you put that out? Like, who cares? Like it should be, <laughs> I don't know. That's just how I am with stuff. You know, like it's gotta be all or nothing, I guess, for the most part. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Um, where can people go? Like what, what's, where's the best places to go to, for people to hear your music? Cool. Um, band camp. Um, so it's just, I don't have the web address memorized or anything like that, but if you just typed in the trouble seekers, um, you know, Bandcamp, it'll come up. I think we're the only trouble secrets on there. Um, and then, you know, uh, Spotify, uh, YouTube, all those places, the new EPs up on there. Um, and th that's with uh, all the new stuff I'm doing. And, and then we're on um, Instagram. I think that's at, at the trouble seekers. And I think the Facebook page is the same as that. Um, so yeah, that's your, your best bet. You know, any of those. So I'm pretty sure we're the only trouble seekers out there. I know with the prostitutes, there's like 20 other bands in the world that have the name, but the trouble seekers, I think, um, yeah, we're on our own with that one. So it should be easy to find, but for like prostitute stuff on um, the last seven inch, I think you can still get that from last punk rockers records in Germany, uh, who oh. put that out. Um, so that's where you go for that. I'm not sure who the, I don't think there was a U.S. distributor on that. Really? Fuck. Yeah, not that I know of. Hmm. All right, man. Well, Josh, do you have anything cool. uh, else? We are just really thankful that you joined us on this show. You were yeah. very high on our list when we started thinking oh, about who, who we wanted to have on. So we were yes. we were excited that you said yes, and we were excited to have you on. And this was an awesome show awesome yeah it was awesome for me too i've been looking forward to it so yeah this is it, it's really fucking cool and it's it's so nice people to do like an interview where i'm can talk and kind of explain everything you know um yeah like in a format like this so yeah um yeah i i had a great time I had a great time this is really cool and i hope yeah i hope you guys got the got what you wanted you know out of it oh um, yeah of course for sure <laughs> It's a lot to cover. It's one of those after like after I answer each question, I'm like, oh shit, what about this? What you know, I can write <laughs> volume, volumes. Maybe I will. <laughs> but yeah, we'll have we'll have to do it again sometime though, and I'll definitely keep you guys informed with yes, what's a going sequel. on. Trouble speakers. Yeah, and, man, maybe uh, we can have Hillary on too next time or something. Yeah, yeah, she'd totally be down for it. She'd totally be cool with that. Yeah, I'll let her know. And awesome. um, yeah, thank you guys for all the support and Josh for keeping the band alive through the years. Thank you. You're like my lifeline. <laughs> and uh, thanks, Jay. It's um, your questions are great. So it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Thanks, man. Cool. All right. Let me uh, let me just go through our thing real quick and then and then I'll, I'll end the recording. I, anyway, so I, I just want to end our show today by saying on behalf of our guests. Kevin McGovern, Josh, and myself, Jay Castro, we'd like to thank you all for uh, tuning in to our humble broadcast. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button. And if possible, leave us a review of our podcast. Not only does it help our show, of course, but it also helps spread the word. 
about all the amazing folks we have on our show. This is the Born Too Late podcast signing off.